I've looked high and low for a reason, any reason, for pro sports to resume, and I haven't seen it yet. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. The pandemic knocked pro sports out of our consciousness when it struck in March. Finishing a season and crowning a champion seemed like a lack of priority. When we all have to be six feet apart, wear masks, avoid crowds, it seems a little, little ridiculous. And after all, isn't the roar of the crowd, the sixth man on the ice, the tenth man on the field that we love? The only thing more ridiculous is the fact the NHL awarded Toronto one of the bubble cities, despite it being in stage two. Yet, the Toronto Blue Jays have to pay their regular season in Buffalo because the immigration minister felt it was a much bigger risk. Now, he was invited on the show, but his office and department are having trouble dealing with email and the telephone. The logic is baffling to me. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll hear from a couple of medical experts on either side of the fence when it comes to resuming play. And later in the show, we'll talk to Cheryl Bradish, a professor of sport business at Ryerson University in Toronto. Now, a leading infectious disease specialist feels the NHL got it right when it came to returning. Dr. Suman Chakrabarty is based out of the Trillium Health Partners in Mississauga, and he joins us now. And, Doctor, you feel pro sports needs to return now. Why is that? You know, obviously, uh, pro sports is something that a lot of us love. But, you know, one of the big things that has happened with the COVID-19 is that there's a mental health aspect of this that I think a lot of us have felt uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. And as it roars on, it's been something uh, difficult to deal with. I think pro sports adds a little bit of that extra spice back into our lives, something to enjoy. It's different, but I think it is important to have something because people are really, really, really uh, grappling for that right now. And pro sports not really an essential service, though. I agree with you. And you know what? Uh, it's something, certainly if it was in uh, March or April, you can't really think about it at all. But you know what? We're now coming down, especially in Canada. We have a significant drop in the number of cases here, very low community transmission. And, you know, I think it's okay to start now looking at these higher risk activities or things that carry something with it because, you know, we can control it. We just have to be careful and keep a close eye on things. You, you think this is maybe a step in the evolution of the pandemic? I think so. And I think that, you know, we have to do, you know, whatever we can at certain points to try to see what we can get back to as close as normal as possible. Now, I'm not saying that we have a Metallica concert right now. These big, huge venues are just not going to work, but there's certain things that we can still do. And I think that if it's thought out properly, which I think the NHL was, uh, sports is something we can consider. And I have some ideas about other sports as well. All right. Uh, now you say the NHL got it right. Uh, now the NBA, Major League Baseball, and in the NFL currently in training camp right now. Which, other than the NHL, which other ones have got it right? And if they haven't, what would you like to see? Yeah, well, if you look, I think that NHL had the whole thing right. Obviously, it's not glamorous having two hub cities, uh, nobody in the crowd. But the thing is, you have a situation where you have a bubble which will kind of isolate the players uh, from everybody else. So there's no public risk. And number two, you're doing it in a low transmission setting. In other words, Canada. We are in a really good place in Canada right now with low uh, community risk. Now, the NBA is the next step. So they did the bubble, but the problem is the bubble is in Florida, which, as we know, is a massive risk right now for mm-hmm. uh, COVID-19. You can hold it off, but I liken it to having an umbrella in a huge rainstorm. It can keep you... Um, dry for some time, but eventually you're going to get wet. And I am a bit more worried about the um, NBA, but I think that they could still pull it off if everything works properly. MLB, um, even MLS, those are the things that with all that travel, I'm, I'm much more worried about the risk there. What about the NFL? Currently, there's 56 players in training camp that have tested positive for for COVID. And it, the, the deadline to 
has passed for them to opt out of training camp in the season. I, I, to me, that seems a little worrisome. I agree with you. The NFL doesn't seem like they um, took the same types of uh, precautions for this. First of all, football itself, by its nature, you know, you're close together, you're breathing hard, and you're, you're in close contact sometimes for a prolonged period of time. So the risk itself of the sport is higher. And yeah, you know, they're doing a lot of traveling. There's no bubble. There's nothing. And I, I, I don't see that season being able to finish if it starts at all. Is this all about money? You know, I mean, uh, I'm not really one to comment on that. I don't know much, but I'll tell you one thing is that, Mm -hmm. you know, you have these certain plans in place and I understand there's a lot of momentum behind these things. So if all of a sudden things change, it's kind of hard to stop that. I I understand that, but yeah, the way I look at it, you always have to look at uh, public safety over that. You know, in terms of, and I know you're a sports fan, I'm a sports fan as well, but in in terms of uh, of sports, what are you going to be looking for in terms of, either of the, any of the pro sports leagues where it might look like the league is going to have to shut down for now. Well, you kind of starting to see hints of that happening in the MLB. So if you start to see outbreak after outbreak, after outbreak, cancellation after cancellation, you know, that's a good idea that look, this is, we tried, it didn't work. I think we need to pull back. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that was what I thought was going to happen to be honest with you last week when St. Louis, the Cardinals started showing cases after the Phillies and the Marlins yeah. had, uh, you know, uh, and but that said, let's see. Right now, they haven't had anything this week, but uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's a less than fifty percent chance that they're going to be able to finish that season. I think the highest chance of finishing the whole, uh, you know, set is the NHL. And it's going to be interesting. You know, they hand up if they end up handing out the cup in September. It's almost like they have to turn around and get ready for training camp in October. Yeah, it's so true. It's so weird to see um, mm. to see number one hockey in uh, August and number two the Habs playing this late, which I'm a fan of. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it was interesting. You saw some of the pictures about uh, some of those games, and and, and uh, you know, there's not supposed to be handshakes, high fives, you know, patting each other on the back, and there they score a goal, and everybody's hugging each other again. It's like they didn't yeah. get the memo. Yeah, it, it, to be fair though, you know, that is very fleeting, quick. Uh, interaction mm-hmm. you know it's not really all that high risk to be honest the higher risk is kind of when you're in that that you know for example when, when you're in a scrum in rugby or something like that you know where it's more prolonged contact with heavy breathing for a long period of time so you know i agree with you it would be nice to see some air high fives but in the grand scheme of things i think especially with the fact that we have very low transmission in toronto and in edmonton and all over canada i think the risk overall is low suman i want to thank you for joining us Thanks so much for having me. Dr. Suman Chakrabarty is with the Trillium Health Partners in Mississauga. Now, not everyone shares his optimism. Dr. Andrew Morris is a professor of infectious diseases at the University of Toronto, and he joins us now. And, and doctor, you, you feel the pro sports returning is a priority? Um, I do. I think it's a priority. I wouldn't put it very high on the list of priorities, but we do know that um, sports are transformative. They um, can really boost the morale of a population. We saw what happened with uh, the Raptors winning the NBA championship last summer and what that did not only to Toronto, but Canada in in its entirety. So um, I do think that sports are really important, but we need to temper that with uh, the risks um, and benefits that we have uh, bringing pro sports back. Now, the NHL is is currently returned and and it's testing everyone every day. Obviously, in your perspective, that's a positive move. 
I think so. I think if you're going to bring pro sports back, you want to do it in a safe manner. Um, I think other considerations include equity. At the moment, we don't really have a challenge with testing in Canada. So I think it's reasonable for the NHL to continue uh, with their testing strategy. On top of that, we have very low rates of disease right now, uh, especially in uh, Toronto and Edmonton. And because of that, I think uh, having those two locations as uh, NHL bubbles are quite reasonable. So coupling those things together, I think the NHL strategy at present is a really good one. See, I, I found the bubble thing a, a little strange, in particular with using Toronto, because they awarded the, the NH the bubble city to Toronto when Toronto was still in stage two. Yet the Toronto Blue Jays could not even play in their home park, whether there was crowds or not, because the, the federal government deemed it was too much of a risk. I, I found that a little strange. No, actually, I thought it made uh, perfect sense, and it was something that I really endorsed. Um, it's not for the um, NHL, you're having the bubble in a city where there's relatively low rates of disease. That wasn't the problem. The problem with the uh, Major League Baseball plan was that we were bringing um, players from all over North America, especially um, you know the southern and southwestern U.S., you know, Florida, Arizona, Texas, California. And we were bringing players who were coming from those areas into Toronto and into Edmonton um, and with the risk of transmitting disease and bringing disease into the country. So I actually think that those plans were consistent um, entirely. Uh, baseball seems to be having the most difficult time right now is, you know, obviously schedules have been canceled. The series have been canceled because of infection. Do you feel that baseball will finish, finish its short season? Um, I'll be pretty surprised if they are able to finish the season. Um, you know, it seems to me that right now uh, players are starting to um, understand uh, the risks involved, not only to themselves, but also to, uh, to their league and to their season. So that may change things slightly. But in my mind, uh, too much onus has been placed on uh, the individuals and uh, asking players to adhere to uh, policies and practices. And not enough emphasis has been placed on um, having a systematic approach to reducing risk. So I, I think it's re- it's going to be really difficult to uh, keep, you know, young, wealthy males from uh, socializing broadly and putting themselves at risk. And so I think they're going to continuously have this challenge of um, disease or infection entering into uh, teams and clubhouses. You know, that's what I've been wondering about through this whole thing is who, who, who are we doing this for, this return of pro sports? Is it for the fans? Is it for the players? Obviously the millionaires. Is it the, for the billionaire owners? Is it for the leagues? Like, who are we doing this for? Uh, you know, I, I think it's for all of those. Um, obviously, the owners and the leagues um, have massive self-interest. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they've got uh, contract obligations uh, that that uh, come with a fair amount of money. Um, and it's also important for them to have continu- continuity of, of the leagues. So I do think that that's really important. Um, but But it's not only for them. It is for the players and it's for the fans. And I think, you know, you're already starting to see fans getting pretty hyped up by uh, the teams competing in the various sports. So I don't think it's solely the owners and players in this one. Andrew, I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure.
Dr. Andrew Morris is a professor of infectious diseases at the University of Toronto. While we debate the merits of resuming pro sports, there is a business case to be made. Sherry Bradish is a professor in the business of sport at Ryerson University, and she joins us now. And Sherry, there's no question there's millions at stake for teams, but is it pr- prudent to resume playing? Um, I, I think, as you know, and as you've looked at, there's many different ways to look at what a sport and what a sport coming back. My examination, as you pointed out, is from a business perspective. And so coming back means so many things. But to those teams and to um, uh, the business models, we see teams coming back because they rather have to. They want to minimize their losses over the last year and through the pause in particular. So that has what's been driving many of their decisions. Yeah, but a lot of people have had to put things on pause, and they can't resume the situation. And let's face it, I don't, I wouldn't consider pro sports an essential service. So it, for me, it, it doesn't seem like the priority is right, but how do you see it? Um, I would, I would, I would support that that notion exactly, which is, mm-hmm. and we know that um, that seems to be the public sentiment, and that's why we see this uh, tension between is sport coming back, and yet is it not supposed to be a reflection of society? And so I've talked about how it's very much at a distance or arm's length from a how it usually operates, and b how most of society is operating right now. Yeah, well, let's face it, you know, pro sports right now is is looking very different with, well, in, t- in terms of the NHL, with no audience whatsoever, other than obviously at home. Uh, and, right. and Major League Baseball, they're having problems with the situation because they're not distancing. No, I mean, it's just so very different from how sport, in particular pro sport in North America, started and evolved in the expectations of that wonderful symbiotic relationship and you know, sports become more of a business that's obviously changed, but um, without a doubt, it's just so very different. It poses so many questions um, because it's such an examined industry. So as a business, it's being examined, but then you step back and, and as a cultural contribution, it's also being examined in terms of what's right right now. And there are many exceptions being made to keep um, the the game in play and, and to kind of bring sport back, as you mentioned. And what, which exceptions are, are you talking about? Well, I think, to your point, uh, obviously bringing sport back, there's been a priority, let's say, whether it's in the hub cities in Toronto or, you know, the work that Orlando's done to support the NBA coming there in their hub. And those are efforts that we see very different, let's say, than the tech industry that's that's allowing their workers to stay home through 2021. And mm-hmm. so there's this need to produce the product, which is the on-court or on-ice, um, and I'm talking business terms, but I also, you know, like to also understand there's a critical lens to all this and what we do. But they are are rushing back, so to speak, to, to finish the seasons, in particular the NHL and NBA, as we know. Yes, yes. Um, and, yeah. and I think a lot of it's to, to basically help uh, th- those teams satisfy their, their corporate partners and their media partners. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. There's stakeholders and there's partnerships, and they were to run through the season. And so one of the ways we know that you can reclaim some of those losses is you, and I hate to talk in those terms, but that's the terms that are used, hmm. but th- those are the ways that 
that the leagues and the teams have come to an agreement we're going to try to stifle some of those losses, which is finish out the season. Because then there would be other pieces in their contract, obviously, that would talk about what if there wasn't a finish of season. Well, it's not like we haven't seen uh, the, the finish of a, a pro sports season before. I look back at 1918. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and we've had that before. I think, as, I, as I've talked about, and I, I just um, have done some work on, where we, my colleagues and I have started to see, in early on acknowledged it's so very different, this pause in the bubble, is that fans are so displaced and at a distance. And at the, at the end of the day, traditionally, pro sport still fans, consumers are at the core of decision-making, the core of executing these models. Their value has changed over time, but they're still at the core. So that that even historically is so very different than what we've ever seen really in 100, 120 years in pro sport business. Jerry Bradish is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe, a professor in the business of sport at Ryerson University, as we talk about the return of sports in the pandemic. And you know, Sherry, sports needs fans to survive, but will fans return with the question of safety hanging in the air? You know, that's an interesting question as well. Um, I will say that we see a variety of different numbers, and we know even what epidemiologists and the experts say in terms of don't rush back to big crowds. We know that on both sides of the border. We also know that um, for looking at a sport, our numbers are probably going to be more conservative than the than the American numbers. Um, somewhat anecdotally somewhat we know this from some research that's done there isn't obviously a lot that's been coming from the teams directly in terms of their numbers or what our fans need and want and there's probably a few reasons for that but there are some good independent third-party data points that have come out from the industry and the numbers aren't signaling a common trend to rush back i would say i think the numbers are more signaling we know there's a pause how long will the pause be Sports will be at a distance. Then there will be different stages of fans wanting to come back. So the question is then how do we engage the fans in a new way? I mean, we can engage fans at a distance and have in many times before, but how will we in professional North American sport and how will will these teams engage these fans to come back? It's, uh, it's will certainly present a challenge and possibly an opportunity for these teams because they're, you know obviously we're dealing with a new world right now and if we want to get close to ever having anybody sitting in a stadium watching a sporting event yeah. uh, there's going to be some some things that have to be addressed. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the typical model of fans at a distance we see whether it be the World Cup or the, you know, global sporting events, we know there's pockets large pockets of fans around the world who will follow an event but not go. So we're kind of moving to more of that at a distance fandom. I think the other thing we know that's been happening is sports teams to your question about engaging fans have really started to at least integrate. I don't know that it's employed at a high overly consistent level, but it integrate technologies in ways that they can get fans to participate, whether it's engaging with athletes on their social channels, you know, feeding them in through those large screens that, that are surround the, the basketball court, shall we say, getting them involved in player-athlete questions from the NHL. So I think there's efforts to get them engaged, but um, to your point, um, long-term you know, how are the fans going to be incorporated, those, that key consumer, into what could be a brand-new sport model? And we all, we all know and are prepared this could go on 
you know, into next year. So what will the seasons be and look like from a business model perspective? Yeah. Sherry, I want to thank you for joining us. No problem. Sherry Bradish is a professor in the business of sport at Ryerson University. And that leads to our unpublished .vote question. Should professional sports return now in the pandemic? Yes, no, or unsure? Log on and vote right now. Make your voice heard. I want to thank Dr. Suman Chakrabarty of the Trillium Health Partners in Mississauga, Dr. Andrew Morris, Professor of Infectious Diseases at the University of Toronto, and Sherry Bradish, Professor in the Business of Sport at Ryerson University. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.